You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, your Heavenly Father this morning and today extends an invitation to you. The feast is ready, and it is His will that you come and receive His hospitality. His own Son's blood and merit has paid the price for the feast. His son willingly paid the price, and he did it gladly. He paid it for you, knowing that this feast is your greatest good, and that nowhere else in the entire world could you obtain it. The food and the drink of this feast are so fine that nothing outside of the banquet hall even comes close to comparing to it. And so here you will find the choicest meat and drink of the forgiveness of sins, of eternal life and salvation. The table is set, your chair is ready, and the Lord smiles at you and embraces you with the warmth of a father who has desired you at his table since before the beginning of the world. Now, you may ask yourself, who am I? Who am I to be welcomed into this kind of a feast? What have I done to draw the Lord's smiling face upon me and to receive His good graces? Surely there must be something great about me if if He even sent the invitation to me, right? Now, dear saints, the feasts and the parties of this world may work something like that, but not this one. This feast is blessedly different. You cannot bring your honor and your renown with you as the price for admission. You can't even bring the merits of all the good works that you have been doing all your life. All those, all the Lord wants, all He wants from you is your sin, your contrition, your humility, and your lowliness. These are nothing but debts, it's true. <laughs> but He takes these debts and He gives them to His Son to pay them back. And in return, you're welcomed into this heavenly feast where the food is forgiveness, life, and salvation. This is what we are to learn today, dear saints, that the Lord invites and receives the humble into his feast. Now let's think for a moment about how Jesus describes the feast. You can almost see the image in your mind. The doors of the the feast hall are wide open. They're inviting And you can sense from inside light, warmth, and joy that spills out into the surrounding darkness. And stepping through the bright threshold into the dark night come the Lord's messengers, the men that he has selected to deliver his gracious invitation. They bear glad tidings in the Lord's own name and implore their hearers, Come, for everything is now ready. Now, you know who these messengers are, and you know them well. St. Paul says concerning himself and his fellow ministers of the word, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Now, what kind of appeal is this? What What does the invitation sound like? It sounds like this, as Paul continues, We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And so now you see, what this, what this parable is really painting before your eyes, 
It's a picture of the church, and it's a picture of the preaching ministry. And so the servant messengers of the Lord of the banquet are Jesus' apostles and his pastors, those that he has sent out to preach and to teach. The invitation is the preaching itself and the sacraments. It's the announcement that your sins are forgiven. It's baptism. It's the Lord's Supper. The feast itself is a vast array of the treasures obtained by Jesus' suffering death and resurrection. It's the new life that is at work in your heart right now, made certain through faith and the substance of your eternal hope. The feast is the fine food that you find in this church and churches like this one, where the word of God is taught in its truth and its purity and the sacraments are rightly administered. Now, over the past 2,000 years, the invitation has gone out continually into the world, and the feast has gone on without stopping. But sadly, though many hear the summons, few respond. Outside of the banquet hall of the church, the night is pitch black, with a sinister allure all of its own. The darkness sways the hearts of men because they prefer the darkness and the deeds of the darkness than to the light. And so once the Lord's apostles extend their Lord's greetings to the invitees, they all alike began to make excuses, Jesus says. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came in reporting these things to his master. Now, dear saints, we do not confess the doctrine of irresistible grace. The invitation can be turned down brushed aside and rejected. But nevertheless, the invitation itself is pure gospel. It is pure grace. And it's truly meant for the ears of those who hear it. And if it helps you, think of it like this. When the invitation goes out, it has the name of the invitee right there. It says, Dear Joe, Dear Susan, (laughs) Dear Rachel, You are invited to the feast. Dear saints, God does not lie. He means it when he says it. But although the invitation promises every blessing of body and soul, and indeed it delivers every blessing, even if it's signed in the divine name, the enticements of the darkness often deafen the ears to the tender words of grace. And so one man loves his newly bought field more than he loves the Lord, Another man shuns the invitation for a chance to go look at some oxen. And yet another man prefers the company of his wife. Now, for all three of these people, you can see that the temptation is love and, and uh, the love and the obsession with earthly things, right? But I think there's something that's, uh, that's deeper here, too. It's true that you and I turn down invitations to parties all the time and banquets and stuff like that. And usually we have pretty legitimate reasons, sometimes not, but usually we have legitimate reasons. And this comes down in many ways to a question of honor, which is a sort of a strange word in our modern ears, but it's still something that 
we have to deal with. Let me, let me explain. So imagine that you're invited to a friend's house to watch a Rockies game. Now this is an honor that he would want to enjoy your company. And he honors you by letting you come into his house to watch his big screen TV to hopefully, maybe, maybe not, watch the Rockies win. But of course, you remember, your wife has also asked for the honor of your presence and help and help in bathing the kids. <laughs> now, you're going to turn down the invitation. Why? Because not, it's not because you don't honor your friend, but you know that your wife and your kids are deserving of the greater honor. Now, other invitations aren't so easily turned down, like when your presence is requested by uh, Peyton Manning or Todd Helton or perhaps one of your pastors. <laughs> even, even though your kids are filthy, your, eye, your, your wife looks at you and says, oh yes, you must go, you must go, and she even kisses you and smiles at you as you go out the door. And so what happens if the Queen of England says, sends an invitation to you? and says that she wishes to distribute all of the riches of her kingdom to everyone she is invited to her banquet. Now, what kind of a madman would say no to something like that? It's the kind of man who considers himself to be of equal or greater honor than even the queen. And this is the heart of these three men's sin. No greater honor could they have received than the invitation of the Lord himself. But they were so corrupted by the darkness that they honored themselves and their own affairs more than they honored the Lord and his word. It was their business that mattered, their happiness that mattered, not what the Lord could give them. So the Lord could wait. Surely another invitation must come at some other time, right? There must have been something so great about me to make him send the invitation in the first place, right? Maybe he liked, maybe he really liked the way that I obtained my, my field or my oxen or my wife. So on the one hand, we know that the gracious invitation can be refused. But you see, there's an error on the other side. (laughs) That is, we might be tempted to think that what matters here is saying yes in the invitation, that by a mighty act of our free will, we work our way into the banquet. And so we imagine that we'll we'll honor the Lord's invitation with the good work of checking yes on the RSVP. And we'll think to ourselves, man, what will the Lord think when he sees this? He will be so happy when he sees that I have chosen him over the field, the oxen, and my wife. But dear saints, this is putting, this is putting the emphasis in the wrong place. The Lord chose you. He sent you the invitation. You do not choose Him. We can't turn the tables on our host and march into the banquet thinking that He ought to be so happy because we honored His invitation with our yes. This is a bit of temptation to hold our own honor, a little bit of shred of honor, but nevertheless our own honor over and against the Lord's. Now, if the prideful and the vain refuse the invitation of the gospel, and when we examine our own hearts, we know that we're full of this, 
ourselves, right? Then who can receive the Lord's invitation? Who can come into the banquet hall? Jesus tells us plainly. The housemaster said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there's room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. You see what it is, saints? The the Lord doesn't want to compete with puffed-up people who look first to their own honor and their own glory, who consider themselves the Lord's equal. He doesn't want to give his gifts of forgiveness and life to those who think themselves above or beyond such things. He wants the humble. He wants those who have been crushed, broken, and made lame by their sin. And even if the people in his own land don't want the gifts, the Lord sends out his messengers to the highways to grab the foreigner passing through without friends or family. He sends out his messengers to find out the vagrants living underneath the hedges to welcome them into into the warmth of his banquet hall. In short, the Lord wants sinners. Those people who know that they have no right and no claim upon the Lord's treasures. The Lord wants sinners who are burdened with their guilt, who feel the prick of their iniquity, who can hardly make their eyes meet the gaze of the messengers from the Lord. These are the people that the Lord wants to fill his house with. Now, when the text says that the servants were to compel their hearers into the feast, once again, don't think that we're teaching some kind of irresistible grace. This language puts the emphasis on the importance of the invitation and not in the will or the choice of the receiver, but in the will and choice of God himself. And so in this way, you have received new life, not according to your yes to the master's question, but according to his name, being placed upon you in the great invitation of holy baptism. Even now, as a sinner who's more aware of your need for grace than, than you huh, than you were probably a little while ago. It's not your corrupted will that pushes you into the, into the feast, but it's your rejuvenated will. It's a will that has been given life from the Holy Spirit. And it's according to this new will that you desire the gifts of God's goodness and mercy. Now, finally, I leave you with one one last word from Jesus. It's that the Lord of the feast desired that his house may be filled. And this is sweet, sweet good news, because it means that your heavenly Father loves you. He wants you in his house. He wants you to feast on his son's treasures, even his own son's body and blood for your forgiveness. And as long as you continue to struggle in this life with your sin, and you struggle with the thought that God would ever send his invitation to you, a sinner. Don't doubt the Lord's invitation, but cling to it all the more. Knowing that he does want you. And he wants his house to be full. Now the time in this world is growing short. 
The prophet Isaiah says, Therefore seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Your Lord, dear saints, is near to you right now. He made you his child in baptism, and he gives you a place at his table, and he will not take back his invitation. And so rejoice and be at peace. Forgiveness, life, and salvation are yours for Christ's sake. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 830 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 930 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace. Amen.